one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Oh, I heard that so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Yeah, we're not quite as good as what we think we are. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to Beyond the Game. I'm Rick Benson. The other guy in the room is our producer, Zach Barletta. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can give them a call at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. We're glad to have you with us, and as we mix faith and sports, highlighting the stories of people of faith within the sports world, you can see the many new features, many new changes at our website, btgprogram.com. And while in actuality, very little has changed at all, you won't know that because you've never been there anyway. <laughs> btgprogram.com. Zach, let's open our program with some examples of society gone nuts and just how much money is flat out wasted in today's American culture. That shouldn't be too hard, should it? No, there's a lot to choose from. A Pennsylvania man has has filed a suit against Ronda Rousey seeking a restraining order. The man hand-wrote out this motion, filed it in federal court in Jacksonville. He says, I'm whistleblowing a major scandal here in court and fear Ronda Rousey will use her kickboxing skills and judo kick my head into submission to shut my mouth. Wait, what? He's looking for a restraining order because he fear he's looking for this under the Whistleblowers Act. The man's name is G.B. White. He accuses Rousey of having bought steroids from Barry Bonds, having male parts and is actually a man, having recorded a sex tape with fighter John Bones Jones, and claiming that he knows that her real father is actually porn star Ron Jeremy. But this is America, and Mr. White has acted upon his right to file a suit and waste the court's time and the taxpayer's money, and he has done that. If your life had a face, I would punch it. And if you haven't heard, Delaware has introduced an experimental child support visa card. The card has limitations built into, built into it to prevent parents from misusing funds, which are meant for the cost of raising a child, such things as food, clothing, school supplies, these types of things. Seems like a good idea. Seems like a good idea. And you can count New York Jets cornerback Antonio Cromartie in <laughs> on the idea. Of course. Cromartie tweeted out this week, sign me up, followed by an unmanly number of smiley face emojis. He and pays he, a lot of child support. This is We're going to get to that. He followed that with a with the classic attempt, you know, to diffuse any potential negative responses by saying, he says, nah, but for real, though. You know, I'm serious, <laughs> but I want to play this off as a joke just in case you get mad at me. Cromartie has 10 children, two of them with his wife. 10 children, two of them with his wife. The other eight are with seven different women. The ladies are going to love you. He, re <laughs> he reportedly 
pays $3,500 a month in child support to six of the women. I mean, I get being concerned with what the women are doing with the funds intended for your children, but my man, really? He's going to have to play till he's 50 at this point. You might have some other things. The proposed card is not the only restraint mechanism Cromartie employs. The New York Post reports that Cromartie had a vasectomy back in 2011. Probably wise. According to a recent report by the Houston Chronicle, the University of Texas sold $1.8 million worth of alcohol at Longhorns football games this season. 1.8. Beer making up the vast majority of those sales. It is Texas. <laughs> the second highest selling item behind only bottled water. It sold more than anything else other than bottled water. It is Texas. By the way, this was the first time they sold alcohol at their football games. Is, is there any other, any wonder why? You wonder how involved were the beer companies in making that decision and getting the university to start selling? $1.8 million in alcohol sales made up nearly half of the total $3.7 million of food and beverages sold during the 2015 season. Beer was half of what they sold, nearly half of what they sold. While universities sell millions of dollars worth of alcohol, student-athletes who fill these stadiums with people paying to see them play, they're still barred from receiving any forms of payment. Mm -hmm. Coming up later on the program, we'll be talking with ESPN social media producer Jason Romano. We'll also chat with Joe Pollock, who writes for both the Russell Street Report and Utah Street Report in Baltimore. He covers the Ravens and the Orioles. Plus, we'll go through our pests of the week. We'll play an NHL edition of Shenanigans. And I'll tell you what frosts my fanning. All coming up this week on Beyond the Game. Have you been hearing some strange noises up in the attic or in other parts of your house? Well, it's that time of year again. Mice, squirrels, and other critters are making their way into your homes to escape the cold weather. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today and they will take care of the problem. They'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Town & Country is also equipped to handle bed bug problems. Early detection is key, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. Town & Country's initial treatment success rate and their guarantee are well above industry average. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. So call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585 723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. 
You know what frost my fanny? You watch your language. Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre. Did I just frost your fanny? As a matter of fact, you did. You know what frosts my fanny, Zach? Members, any member of the Baseball Writers of America who were trusted with a voting ballot in this year's Hall of Fame election, yet opted not to vote for Ken Griffey Jr. And there were three of them. Three people did not vote for him. To the three of you, your privileges, your ballot privileges should be revoked. Mm -hmm. Additionally, the same thing, the same thing for the one person who voted for Garrett Anderson, the two people who voted both for Jason Kendall and David Eckstein. Mm -hmm. David Eckstein? Yeah. That one's Hall of Fame? And the three people who voted for Mike Sweeney. And there were others who received votes. No more Garcia Parra, Jim Edmonds, Sammy Sosa, Billy Wagner. Other nice players. Very, very, very good players. But these are not Hall of Famers. There, there are writers who have openly stated, and they've said that because Babe Ruth was not a unanimous selection, that no other player should be. So therefore, there's guys they won't vote for. And if they know that a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. should be, they're going to withhold their vote. They know he's going to get in, but they're not going to vote for him to make sure he's not a unanimous choice. You're welcome to your opinion, foolish as it may be. But if you're going to penalize the guys on the current ballot because of events in 1934 or 35 or whenever that was, you should not be entitled to vote. And by the way, if you didn't vote for Griffey or anyone else because of their character, the way they treated people or something like that, that's fine. And I suspect that with Babe Ruth, many people didn't vote for him because he was like alleged to be a jerk. But just to say that unilaterally no player should be unanimous is ridiculous. Greg Maddox was a year or two ago, should have been unanimous. Ken Griffey Jr. this year should have been unanimous. Soon Chipper Jones, I don't know if it's this next year or the year after, or shortly after that. Mariano Rivera most definitely should be. Mm-hmm. As should Jeter the next year. Now, I'll tell you the truth. If all these guys aren't unanimous and Mariano Rivera is the first unanimous, then everything's okay and balance is restored in the force and all that. <laughs> Every, everything will be, be fine. Yeah, but yeah. In, in seriousness, it, it does. Ken Griffey hit 630 home runs, drove in 1,836 RBI. How do you not vote for him as a Hall of Famer? He's a clear-cut Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. To withhold your vote, I I just, that frosts my fanny. Mine too. But I, I've i kind of just embraced the mindset that the Hall of Fame vote is going to disappoint me every year because there's so many people with so many definitions of who and what they'll vote for. It's just, yeah, and I, I guess stopped caring. That's a good approach. Good for you. You're a better person than I am. But it is. It's You're either in or out. Really, the percentage mm-hmm. of the vote doesn't matter. You're in. Ken Griffey, is, Ken Griffey Jr. is a Hall of Famer. Mike Biazza is a Hall of Famer. It really doesn't matter. Um, Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, Trevor Hoffman, they're almost Hall of Famers. And I guess next year probably will be, wouldn't you think? Probably. Now, what did you think about Bonds and Clemens? Do you think they get enough year by year that eventually they get in? You know, there's been a lot of talk about them. They they gained a little momentum. They they got a few. 
they're still under 50%. That's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, what, it's 70%. Is that what you have to appear I on? I think, think it is. So. I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's 70. Whatever it is, I know, I know that's right, right about might be, might, you know what? It might even be 75. Another interesting thing about this year's vote is this was the first year, I believe, after the purge, where they purged uh, everybody who hasn't covered baseball in 10 or more years loses their eligibility to vote. Well, there's three more guys that should be losing their eligibility. Yeah, that should be the second. If you haven't covered baseball in 10 or more years or you didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr., you lose your ballot. Or Greg Maddox. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Joe Pollock covers Baltimore sports for both the Russell Street Report and the Utah Street Report. He's been a broadcaster and Christian radio for many years and a very entertaining game day Twitter follow, I might add. He joins us here on Beyond the Game. Good to have you on the program, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Rick, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to it. You cover the Baltimore Ravens, and they finished 5-11, and but that was a team that I had penciled in for the Super Bowl at the start of the season. And by the way, me and a lot of other people, what went wrong there this year? A lot of people had them in, not just you. Uh, if you look back on ESPN's uh, quote-unquote experts, at the beginning of the year, 11 of those experts picked the Ravens to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So a lot of people very high on the Ravens. Obviously, since uh, since the year 2000, they've been one of those perennial winners, just like the New England Patriots and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams like that. So uh, this year, it just wasn't meant to be. I think the NFL happened. Literally, there's teams that you never thought would win that every year they come up and you go, wow, I didn't think they'd be over 500, and they are. So I think, number one, the NFL happened. There were good teams this year that we didn't expect. When you looked at their uh, schedule in advance, you said, oh, that's a win. Well, maybe it wasn't necessarily a win this year. I think the second thing that happened, it, it was their injuries. The Ravens actually had more players on injured reserve than any other team in the NFL. These are not just players like you and I might say, okay, well, everybody gets injuries. Yes, they do. But does every team lose their starting quarterback, their starting future Hall of Fame wide receiver, their starting Pro Bowl running back, their starting uh, future Hall of Fame linebacker, uh, a couple guys in the secondary? I mean, when you look at all of the guys they lost, it uh, really needed positions. You can say, okay, that makes sense. But the thing I really love about this team, Rick, is that not only were they injured, but they kept fighting even beyond the injuries. This team lost 11 games, but nine of those 11 losses were by eight points or less, meaning all they needed was a touchdown and a two-point conversion to take the lead in these games, even with 20 guys on injured reserve. The Ravens have really had a number of offensive coordinators over the last few years. Now, in fairness, they've been guys like Cam Cameron, Jim Caldwell, Gary Kubiak, guys who were and are head coaches in the league. But now, after one year of Mark Tressman, the offense never really seemed in sync. It seemed to struggle at times. Does the carousel continue, or is Tressman's job there safe? I sure hope it doesn't continue in Baltimore, because what Joe Flacco, the quarterback, needs is he needs some consistency. Uh, he's been through so many coordinators, as you just mentioned. You know, not many guys can succeed when you have a new coach every year. I mean, look at the Cleveland Browns. They get a new mm-hmm. head coach every year. That's why they can't succeed. Um, but I think it wasn't so much Tressman that, uh, that struggled there. And, you know, you and I might say, hey, it looks like the offense struggled. But believe it or not, the Ravens finished 90 yards shy 
of breaking their single-season team record for total yards. So even without their quarterback for most of the season and without their wide receiver and tight end and wide res- uh, and running back, this team had the second most successful season in franchise history on offense. So I think Mark Trestman is safe. I hope he's safe because I want to see consistency on offense for the next couple of years because I don't think Joe Flacco has reached his peak yet because he hasn't had the um, the ability to do so because of so many changes around him. Of course, prior to Baltimore, Mark Trestman was the head coach with the Chicago Bears, and the Ravens obviously have a reputation for having their offensive coordinators move on to head coaching positions with other teams. Have you heard of Trestman's name being linked to any of the head coaching vacancies around the league? Not that I have heard. There was talk that maybe he might go to an offense, another offensive coordinator job. I don't think the Ravens would let him leave. The only way Trestman leaves is if he gets hired as a, as a head coach. I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's two other, too many other quality candidates out there that they're not going to look at Trestman this year. You made mention of the fight that's in this Ravens team and how they were in just about every game they played this year. In spite of the many injuries and the number of tough losses that they endured, has this been the best coaching job of his career by John Harbaugh? Honestly, I believe so. I mean, they won a Super Bowl under Harbaugh. They've gone to the playoffs in the majority of his years. A lot of people have said, you know, the the Flacco-Harbaugh team has been very good, and it has. But when I look back on this season, I see a guy who has kept this team together like no one else. Just for instance, the Philadelphia Eagles, they had a better record at the end of the year than the Ravens. But in the middle of their season, they had people grumbling about their head coach. You had players holding closed-door meetings. You had a player going to the owner and saying, I want our coach out. And then they ended up firing their coach. In Baltimore, there was none of that. The, John Harbaugh kept the players together, and he kept them fighting. They were, they, at one point, you know, they were four and, and ten, I think. And there's two games left in the season, and what do they do? They go out and upset the Pittsburgh Steelers because Harbaugh kept them fighting and kept them believing that there was a greater purpose for their season. I think John Harbaugh deserves recognition for Coach of the Year. Believe me, he's not going to get it. He won't even get one vote. That's not what they do. They vote for guys who win. But I believe this is the best coaching job John Harbaugh's ever done, and I believe it was a tremendous coaching job for uh, anybody, not just Harbaugh. I think it was one of the better jobs you're going to see. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he ought to be considered for Coach of the Year, but I'm sure he won't get any of that recognition, as you say. It's just not how it's done in the league. We're talking with Joe Pollock here on Beyond the Game, radio host and writer who covers Baltimore area sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Pollock. That's Joe Pollock, P-O-L-E-K. As you look around the NFL, Joe, which non-playoff team from this year do you think is best positioned to rebound quickly and be in the playoff mix next season? Well, covering the Ravens, I think it's easy to see that the Ravens will be that team um, because of the injuries. If you have all the guys injured, come back next year healthy, I think immediately they're a playoff team fighting for the the division lead. I think, though, outside of Baltimore, you could look at teams that just missed. I think you could look at the New York Jets and say, okay, they missed it by one game. If they had just scored one more touchdown in the fourth quarter of that last game, they would be in the playoffs. So I think you could look at a team like that and say, that's a team that could rebound, except I'm just not sure about their quarterback. I think a team to keep an eye out for would be the Miami Dolphins. And I think it really matters who they get as their head coach. 
if they bring in a guy like Tom Coughlin, which some people have rumored that to happen, I think you could see him turn around that franchise very well. And I think he's a guy who's known at um, at doing well with quarterbacks and, and changing a franchise who has been down in the dump. Switching gears for just a moment, we still have a lot of Baltimore Orioles fans here in western New York. The O's have pulled their offer to slugger Chris Davis. Is there any chance he could be back in Baltimore next season? And if not, how can the Orioles replace the offensive numbers he put up? Well, I, I have said, uh, if you follow me on Twitter or read my stuff for the Orioles at Utah Street Report, uh, I have said that uh, Chris Davis will be the Orioles' uh, first baseman in 2016. I truly believe that. Uh, I think sooner or later, no other team has offered Chris Davis anything or even be rumored to have wanted to make an offer to Davis. I think sooner or later, uh, Davis is going to say to his agent, get me signed. I think right now he has Scott Boris as an agent, which if you, if you know agents, Scott Boris is the big wig. He's the guy who, who makes players hold out for as long as possible to get the most money possible. I think sooner or later, you're going to see Chris Davis say to Scott Boris, I want you to get me signed today. I'm not waiting any longer because sooner or later, the money he's being offered by the Orioles is going to go down because nobody else is making a competitive offer to keep their offer that high. Now, you're correct in saying that the Orioles have pulled their offer, but Peter Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, is a huge fan of Davis, and they are still talking with Davis and his agent. They may not formally have a offer on the table because they, quote-unquote, pulled it, but everybody knows what that offer was, and Davis still knows that he can get that money from the Orioles if he said yes. Let's talk a little bit about you for a minute. Now, you've been in Christian radio for many years. How did you first find faith in Christ? Well, I grew up uh, going to church every Sunday, um, but as a lot of kids, I, I was I was not into it. My parents made, made us go, so I ended up going to church every Sunday. Uh, finally, when I got into high school, my mom said to me one day, she said, listen, you don't have to go with us, but you have to go somewhere. And so... I knew a lot of my friends went to this church right up the street. I ended up going to that church, um, sitting with my friends, going to their youth group, just trying to find a place to fit in. Um, I ended up getting involved with this Christian organization called Young Life, and they invited me to go on a retreat to uh, Lake Champion, New York. And I ended up uh, meeting Christ there at Lake Champion my senior year in high school. And from there, I've never turned back. I ended up uh, moving to Maine. And working in Christian radio, I always thought I was going to work in country radio. Uh, but when I became a Christian, I, I felt like God was calling me to a different place. So I got a job in Maine in Christian radio and worked there um, until 2012 when I moved to Columbia, South Carolina uh, for another job in Christian radio. And then I do a lot of my Orioles and Ravens uh, work on the side as more of a, of a hobby. Well, I don't know how you find time to cover the Ravens and the Orioles. In addition to your full-time job, you're also heard on a uh, on several different Christian radio stations across the country. <laughs> I don't know how you get it all done. It, it it's not easy, but yes, I do. I do work for three stations in Kansas and one station in Wisconsin. And thanks to technology, I can do most of that work from my bedroom. I have a little studio in the, in the corner of my bedroom. But a lot of that is just I love Christian radio. I love um, how God uses it, and so I've been able to stay involved in it, even though officially as a full-time job right now, uh, I am out of radio and I'm doing marketing, um, but 
I'm able to stay involved and still see how God uses uh, Christian radio to, to move in people's lives. Well, we're glad you've been able to join us here today. But before you jump off the line, is there anything we can pray for you about? Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate you asking. Um, I have two little girls and a wife, and I am very blessed. We love uh, where God has brought us. And uh, right now we have two girls in um, in a, a great Christian school. And I'd love your prayers in uh, trying to work the finances so that we can keep them in that school, because uh, we've been very blessed by that school for a couple years now. And so I think that's uh, my wife and I's biggest prayer is that we can just uh, continue to do whatever we can to keep them in that school. He's Joe Pollock. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Pollock, P-O-L-E-K. Thanks so much for coming on the program and spending time with us, Joe. Thanks, Rick. We've been talking with Joe Pollock on the BTG studio line. He covers the Ravens and the Orioles. You can find him at either the Russell Street Report or the Utah Street Report, and you can follow him on Twitter at Joe Pollock. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, Their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Our show is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. So Sherlock was on this past week. I've been waiting a long time to see this. I didn't see it in the theaters. You did, though, right? We did, and it was fantastic. Was it? It Yes. I I went the cheap route, and I just watched it on TV. But I've been waiting a long time. I I love, if if you haven't seen the Sherlock series, on PBS, they are terrific with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Well, they're originally BBC shows, and so the way that they're done is each season is only three episodes, but each one is as long as a movie. So they're so good. They're so good. But I'll tell you the truth, Zach. I was a little worried about this one. It got a little weird in times. For a while, it was like a full-blown gothic horror. And he, here was my concern. There's a there's some shows that I've started to watch, and I don't watch a lot of TV. I really, if I'm watching TV, I'm sports, and and not because I'm better than anybody else, or I don't like TV. I'm not one of those guys. What it is for me is just I'm not in the same place in this every time, every week. I, you know, a show that goes ten, twelve, thirteen episode, whatever. I I've lost interest. DVR. If it wasn't for DVR, I'd watch no TV at all. Mm-hmm. But with this, I, I've I have gotten into a couple of shows. My wife and I started watching them, um, and then they get weird, and mm-hmm. and I start, wow, man, that was just too well, weird. Well, first of me. all, your wife watches weird shows to begin with. Yeah, she, I I know, but I don't watch everything she watches. <laughs> yes. 
But Sherlock's, and I'm watching the show and I'm thinking, this is really good, but this has the potential to get really weird here. Mm -hmm. It's going down this weird path and it's going to be another show that I like that's going to go weird. But they brought it back in and it ended up terrific. I would have liked to have seen it on the big screen, but I didn't. It was really good. I enjoyed it very much. Let's play shenanigans. Zach is going to throw out a couple of statements. I'm either going to agree, and and he's going to throw out a statement, and he may agree with that statement, or he may call shenanigans on his own statement. I don't know how that works. How do you call shenanigans on your own statement? But you might. And we're going to do an NHL version. So simple rule, brief explanations. Uh, give us a statement. The Steven Stamco situation in Tampa Bay has reached the point of no return, and he'll be traded by or at the deadline. Absolutely. Absolutely. The rumors have been persistent since last year's trading deadline, maybe even longer. They amped up over the summer. There was even some talk about the Sabres. And I don't know whatever happened there, but there was some talk about it. And at some point, it just becomes clear, you're not wanted. The, the, the team wants to move on, and it just becomes too difficult a situation to handle. I agree. Um, and I'm kind of watching it closely because I think the Rangers are an option here. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about the Red Wings, too, but sorry to interrupt you given your explanation. But, but I just think, like like we saw with Marty St. Louis, the superstars there seem to not get along with Iserman there in Tampa Bay, and, you know, you're, you're running out of time to work things out. It just looks like they might be ready to blow things up, and they got a lot of trouble coming up with the cap anyway, so I think he's gone. And as somebody who likes the lightning, I, I like to follow the lightning. That That's troubling me. Here's a fun fact. Did you know... Allegedly, before he was a superstar several years ago, the Rangers and Lightning had a verbal agreed agreement to trade him to the Rangers, but the Tampa Bay owner nixed it at the last minute. Useless information. The king of useless information. But Steven Stamkos was that close to being a Ranger. Give us another shenanigan bit. Sidney Crosby should be an all-star. Why don't you go first? Shenanigans. Shenanigans. He He's had an okay year. But I looked at where he is on the leaderboard in points for the season so far. Everyone around him in the leaderboard, not in the All-Star game. So I'm fine with him not being in it. Yeah, he got off to a slow start, no doubt about it. And despite the anti-Crosby sentiment, I actually agree, maybe he should be. Since the coaching change, he's looked more like the Crosby of old. And here's why I think he should be. There are some players on the roster that are less deserving than he is. And the reason for that is when you have a rule that says each team has to have a representative on the team, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. So as a result of the rule, you have somebody less deserving. And as long as there's somebody less deserving, then I agree he should be an all-star. That leads to my third statement, which is, NHL fans made a mockery of the all-star game voting process, and as a result, the all-star game itself. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. John Scott? While I mean, it's humorous. There's no doubt about it. But this is a sham. You have to feel badly for John Scott. He knows he doesn't belong. That's going to be awkward for him. I'm sure he's going to have a good time, but that's going to be awkward for him. And you got to feel bad for players whose roster spot he took. Yeah. I mean, they know they belong, and he's and they're not there. He's played 11 games, no goals, one assist, and and, and the most remarkable thing, he's been waived three times this year. <laughs> and you're a captain in an all-star game? He's got more times waived than points scored. But I'm sure you agree. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, is it funny? Absolutely. But like you said, there are guys who deserve to be in that aren't. 
And especially since it's a three-on-three format, he's big and slow. He's not a good hockey player. You could probably get better results throwing an orange traffic cone on the ice in three-on-three than John Scott. It's it's going to be tough to watch the games that he plays in. Speaking of funny, in the NHL, uh, Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones traded for one another earlier this week. They ran into each other in the airport after the trade. Talk about two ships crossing in the night. They <laughs> ran into each What are the odds of that? Maybe uh, they can ask each other where they should be looking for apartments in their new cities. And Maybe stuff. they could just trade apartments. There you go. Yeah. Want to sublet? Sign here. Let me ask you, what, what do you think of that trade? Uh, I like it. At first I looked at it and I was like, oh, well that happened, you know, and then when I looked at it and I crunched some numbers and stuff, I thought it really fills a need for both teams. And it's a rare, one of those rare trades where both teams filled needs with really good young players. So not only did the Blue Jackets get the defenseman that they needed and the Nash, and Nashville got the center that they needed, but they got it with guys who can be cornerstones for the next decade for those franchises. That's pretty rare in my book. Let's take a break. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk with Jason Romano. Jason is ESPN's social media producer, and we'll talk to him right after the break. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they found a home with you. Listen, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, and they will take care of the problem. And they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Seeing too many spiders around the house? Call Town & Country. Other creepy, crawly things move in out of the weather? Call Town & Country. Larger noises coming from the attic, walls, or basement? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426 5024 That's 426-5024. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. In hills and frontier homes, I smile With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. 
Let's welcome in Jason Romano. He's the social media producer for ESPN. He's also a believer in Christ who speaks at a number of churches, schools, and conferences each year. He joins us now on the BTG phone line. Thanks for being part of the show, Jason. Good to have you on. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it, Rick. Let's start with my New York Giants. You're a New York guy growing up not all that far from the same part of New York that I did. Tom Coughlin is a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Was this the right thing, parting ways with Coughlin? It's a tough question. I think so. I think, you know, as great as he is, and, you know, he's he's getting up there in age, and I still think he's going to coach. But I think it was the right time. You know, if Giants had missed the playoffs the last four seasons, you know, in some cases, if it hadn't been Tom Coughlin or somebody who had won two Super Bowls, you know, he might not even have lasted the last four seasons. So, you know, the players loved him. I like everything that Coach Coughlin stands for as far as his leadership. And he talked in his press conference uh, the other day about what it meant to be a coach and the relationships that he had built and what those meant to him. And I love hearing that because I think from a leadership perspective and a leader in any capacity, it's about relationships. It's about leading, but it's also about serving. And you could tell that, you know, he had done that and he had really grown close to all the players that he had coached. I mean, he's he's been great for the NFL. He's certainly been great for the Giants. As a Cowboys fan, I'm jealous that they got two Super Bowls uh, over the last uh, eight or nine years. But um, it was the right time for Coach Coughlin. You know, he, he left his legacy. He's definitely a Hall of Fame coach. You mentioned the Cowboys, Jason, and they've chosen to do the opposite of the Giants. They're sticking with their coach. Jason Garrett is their guy. They've been loyal to him. However, the results haven't been there on the field. Do you think that's wise to stick with Jason Garrett for another year? You know, I go back and forth on this one because, you know, the more you work in this industry, I guess, of sports and broadcasting, and the more you get to kind of be around people who've worked and done these jobs, you realize that they're people and, you know, these are legitimate lives that are being impacted and changing. You know, I can't imagine every year kind of going year to year wondering if you're going to keep your job or not. So I kind of, kind of rejoice a little bit when I hear coaches keeping their jobs. Um, from a fan perspective, I'm glad Garrett's back. I, I don't think this year was his fault. You know, last year they won 12 games. They had the, the tie for the best record in the league. They had a great season. You know, the NFL leading rusher, the NFL leading quarterback. You know, Des Bryant had a great season. Everything sort of clicked. There wasn't a ton of injuries. You saw what they were able to do. And then this year they had injuries. Um, I'm okay with giving Garrett another year. I know Jerry likes him. Jerry Jones likes Jason Garrett a lot. As far as being a coach, I know the players like him a lot. I've talked to a few players who were big fans of Jason Garrett and they want to play for him and do well for him. Sticking with the NFL for just another minute, three teams have applied to the NFL for relocation, the Rams, Raiders, and Chargers. Do you have any sense of how many of those teams, if any, will be playing in Los Angeles next year? Oh, man. Um, you know, I... My my guess is, but just from a sort of basic fan perspective, I think it sounds like it's going to be potentially all of the teams. I mean, Los Angeles is going to basically go from zero to potentially three teams. I would say at the very least two teams with San Diego and Oakland potentially sharing the stadium. We've been talking with Jason Romano, social media producer with ESPN. You can follow him on his personal Twitter, at Jason Romano. So when we see an ESPN social media post on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, does that start on your desk? 
Yes, it does. Um, or at least it's my responsibility. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm not the only one posting or creating the content, but I'm overseeing it. Uh, oftentimes I am posting, um, but sometimes I have a team with me that works with me. Uh, very talented team, much more talented than I am, better creating content, better also watching the games and reacting as well. Uh, but yes, it starts with, um, with my responsibility for sure. On your blog, Jason, you wrote an emotional piece about your dad's battle with alcohol abuse, one in which, praise the Lord, he's currently winning. I can't imagine how difficult that was for you and your family, but how has that struggle influenced your faith in Christ? Um, Well, it's it's an interesting thing because in the midst of when I became a Christian, dad was going through his battle. And I actually spoke on forgiveness and, and talked about this at my church late last or earlier last year and i talked about the power of forgiveness and idea that we're never more like christ when we choose to forgive you know when you look all throughout um the new testament especially in the, in the gospels where where jesus is sharing stories and kind of you read about his life you know it was so much about forgiving and so much about you know all the things that happen to people and sort of the, the betrayals and the you know i mean even on on the cross when he's being nailed to the cross, you know, he asks, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So you're talking about Christ asking his Father in heaven to forgive the people that are doing this wrong to him. So if Christ is forgiving, then who are we not to forgive? And But that took me a long time to understand. So I became a Christian in 2001. I don't think I really truly forgave my dad, really, until about two years ago, almost three years ago. And... Uh, you know, I thought I had forgiven him, and I've, I've certainly tried to continue the relationship with him, sort of, if you will, on a provisional basis of being able to know that he's sober. But it's really taught me over the past few years that we're all human, we're all making mistakes, and, you know, yes, my dad is fighting a battle that right now he's winning, thankfully, but it's really taught me to just understand that, you know, everybody deserves forgiveness. It doesn't mean I have to allow the disease or let's let's even say the abuse or uh, verbal abuse or anything like that to still come into my family. You know, thankfully, he's been sober for two and a half years now, and it's right been right around the time that I chose to forgive him that he's been sober now. I'm not saying that's a coincidence or not. You know, I don't even know if he knows that that was around the time when I chose to forgive him. But since that moment, uh, he's been sober. And the fact that he has been able to win that battle at the same time as I've been able to sort of move on from any kind of bitterness that I had with him, uh, it's great. You know, and God kind of works in the way that he wants to work. So watching the process kind of go over the last few years, it's definitely uh, increased my faith and it's definitely helped me understand what forgiveness is about and what repairing is about and mending relationships. I'd like to know how you first became a believer, but before I ask you about that, I'd like to just remind our listeners that we're talking to a guy who happens to be a sports fan, Jason Romano, the man. He's not representing ESPN. He's a father. He's a husband. And as with all our guests, we're talking with someone whose life has been impacted and changed by Jesus Christ and not someone reciting the company tagline. When our guests talk about Christ, it's a very personal thing. And I just think it's important to make that distinction. And that said, can you share with us your salvation story and talk about 
the impact Christ has had in your life? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And thank you for doing that. You know, I work for a great company and I, I love ESPN. Um, but definitely this is my story. This is my personal story. Um, it has nothing to do with them. But yeah, my salvation story is one that it's not the 180. I was falling in the depths of pit of despair. I was doing drugs. I was down and out. Christ, you know, it wasn't one of those things. I, I was really, um, a time in my life where, um, I got married to my wife. And we're still married 16 years later. When I married her, um, we got married in a Catholic church. I grew up Catholic and didn't really have a great, uh, sort of religious background, if you will. I went to church, but I really didn't, um, have any kind of relationship with God or even understand what a relationship meant. Uh, I didn't have anybody in my life that was sort of there to teach me that or show me that. That is until 1999. Now my brother Chris, I have two younger brothers, Chris and Damien. And around early 99, late 98, he became a Christian, and he got saved miraculously. You know, he was definitely going in a direction that was not good, and God came and grabbed a hold of him and, and, and radically saved him and turned his life around. And when it happened, you know, he was the first in our family that that had happened to, so we were all kind of curious and didn't really understand, and God had done such a great work in his life that he wanted to tell everybody about it. So he's telling us, hey, there's this, there's this unbelievable thing that happened to me. I got saved. You know, there's this guy, Jesus, you know about him. Well, he, he miraculously came into my life and saved me and turned me around. And I have a relationship with him. And I'm hearing all these sort of Christianese words and things that I didn't understand. You know, even to a point where I thought he was in a cult for a little while because it consumes him. And I didn't understand that then. But I saw a change in him. You know, I saw a nature change in him. You know, it talks about the renewal of our minds when we're transformed by by Christ. And, and he was transformed. And, you know, I was very, I was probably sarcastic. I was probably um, a little bit of a, a, a critic, you know, and, and definitely thinking that this was like, all right, Chris, this is for you. Good job. I'm happy that you're, you know, you're not doing the things that you were doing before, but like, what's really going on here, you know, and I was kind of not kind of, you know, fully believing or buying into what, what he was doing, but I did see a different person and, you know, that doesn't just happen. People don't just change. Usually there's a reason something happens to them, but for him, it was God. And he, over the next two years, basically never hid his faith from us, but he never forced his faith on us. He just lived his life. And we saw somebody who, I saw somebody who I really was starting to admire and emulate. And over the, over the next few years, we had many conversations. He invited me to his church. And God started softening my heart. When I finished coming out of that church that day, I just kind of whispered to my brother. I said, you know, that wasn't so bad. And that was the door that he was waiting for, God was waiting for to open. And my brother kind of said, well, let's talk more about this. So we went into another room and we sat down. And for 15 minutes, he kind of explained and shared the gospel with me, um, and I accepted Christ. Again, I don't have this fire and brimstone sort of miraculous story. I did that because I, saw, I felt something different going on with me, but at the same time, I really did it selfishly. And my wife and I got married in 1999, and we wanted to have children right away, so we started to try, and we were unsuccessful, and it wasn't happening. So by 2001... You know, we're at the point where we're a little frustrated and we're kind of wondering, you know, what do we do wrong? What's happening here? And so I figured, hey, God, maybe if you're on my side, 
you can help us have a baby, you know? And it was kind of like very selfish and certainly not the right reason to, to ever want to um, develop a relationship with Christ. But, you know, that seed was planted that day with my brother. And soon after, I came to grips with what it truly meant. It probably took about seven or eight months for myself to really understand what, what Christ had done for me on the cross, what it meant to be a Christian, and not to know that I'm not perfect, you know, and that um, I don't have to clean myself up to come to God, that I could come to him right where I am, sin and all, and he's just kind of waiting there with open arms, ready to give me a big hug and to accept me as I am. And it still took two years a little over two years until my wife, thankfully, was able to get pregnant. You know, that was the, probably the roughest patch of being a Christian. And my wife was not a Christian at the time. So I was a Christian in the household. My wife was not. We were trying to have children, and we were unsuccessful. That was a very, very trying time for me, especially early in my faith. And, you know, thankfully, I had my brother there to help me and guide me a little bit. But it was really one where I just kept saying, God's got this. He's got this. We'll figure this out. And if we're not meant to have children, we have to come to grips with that. Uh, and that's God's plan. And my wife didn't want to hear about any of that. She just wanted to know why she couldn't get pregnant. But God came through and, you know, we had our daughter in June of 2004 and my wife got saved. I would say somewhere around 2005, you know, been walking with the Lord since. And it's been a, it's been a fun journey. You know, Jason, I, I love those type of testimony stories because there's so most people aren't turning around from some dramatic story, so they think that their testimony uh, is insignificant. So when they hear somebody else telling yeah. their story, it just gives them the courage and, and encourages them to be able to tell their own story. Yeah, everybody's story is different. And I know people who grew up in, as Christians and they still are walking with the Lord and having great lives and you know, that's not the life that I knew, but that's their story. And my story is different. And, you know, I know people who um, really didn't turn their life over to God until they're in their 40s and 50s. And that's great. You know, those testimonies are just as good. I mean, they're all great. You know, that's what the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is, you know, God is no judger of persons. He, he loves everyone. And John 3.16 is evidence of that. And um, he loves the world. And it doesn't matter where you are. And, um, you know, I I love hearing and seeing different people. I love hearing people's testimonies because it's their story, yep. their personal story. Nobody else lived it. And, you know, whether they came out of the womb praising Jesus or they didn't do it until the five seconds before they passed away, it's still their story. You know, and it's still amazing to watch God do work in people no matter where, where they are or what stage they are in life. Is there anything we can pray about for you? Oh, man. I mean, I could give you a list of a thousand things for sure. Um, I think clarity right now will be great. Um, you know, I've been doing this a long time in ESPN. And I thoroughly enjoy it and love it. And just kind of like looking for clarity and direction on what the next eight years might be. Um, not just at work. I mean, it's not a work clarity thing. I think it's just a life clarity thing. On You know, I'm just trying to really make these next seven years count. I think is the most important thing. And, you know, with my job and not just with my job, but with my life, you know, I've done a lot of things and I've had a lot of opportunity to do amazing things, but some of it's been at the expense of time with my daughter and with my wife too. So just praying for sort of clarity, direction, whatever you want to call it, as far as being able to work out that work-life balance of spending time with my family 
and and putting them first. You know, I love my job. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but my family is number one. We've been talking with Jason Romano, social media producer with ESPN. You can follow him on his personal Twitter, at Jason Romano. Let me remind you, that's his personal Twitter, and you will find a terrific mix of faith and sports. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the program. I've I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed talking with you, too. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We still got more to do. I hope you'll stick with us. Coming up, we got our Pest of the Week. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. My pest this week is really some of the members of the Portland Trailblazers. First, whatever team official it was who filled out the list of the team's active players for this week's game against the L.A. Clippers and mistakenly left C.J. McCollum off of it. Secondly, Blazers coach Terry Stotts for signing that sheet, thereby making it official and turning it in, and now C.J. McCollum was inactive for the game. And thirdly, every member of the Blazers who were harassing officials to get what was their own mistake reversed. The officials actually relented and left it up to Doc Rivers, who was coaching the Clippers, of course, who... By the way, having made this mistake himself a few times over the years, refused to yield, McCollum sat the bench. Giving credit where it's due, Stotts did take responsibility after the game for the air. But the big losers here in all this were the fans as the Blazers lost the game, having played unnecessarily shorthanded with McCollum sat on the bench. He watched the first quarter from the bench wearing his uniform, having expected the play, but then because he was listed as inactive, left before the second quarter and changed into a suit. My pest of the week is various members of the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> My pest of the week is former MLB star pitcher Roy Halladay, who tweeted this week, 
When you use PEDs, you admit you are not good enough to compete fairly. Our nation's pastime should have higher standards. No Clemens, no Bonds. In advance of the Hall of Fame vote. We've been over this. My take on PEDs is they don't turn you into a superstar. Most of the people who've been caught taking them were scrubs who remain scrubs afterwards. Roy Halladay was accused by some of some use himself, so pot meat kettle. That's tough. I, I, he's right. We should have higher standards. Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens were well on their Hall of Fame before the alleged use began. Yeah. Those were guys that we knew when they were teenagers they were going to be good. And you're exactly right. Steroids don't turn you into a Hall of Fame player. They keep you in the game. You know, they're, they're, where they're most commonly used are guys trying to recover from an injury, guys trying to, I'm not defending it. Let me be clear on that. I'm not defending it. No, right. What I'm saying is, to say that they're not Hall of Famers, and, and I don't know what you want to do about it. Maybe you want to let them in, maybe you don't. I don't know if the Mike Piazza vote getting in opens the door. Not that he's been charged with anything, but there's always been rumors and thoughts of Piazza. He's been in the Jeff Bagwell camp. Never failed a test, but some people think he was too muscular or whatever. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I think eventually they get in, whether there's... Whether there's a special section of the hall, whether there's an asterisk, or whether just all forgiven, the steroids did not make Roger Clemens a Hall of Famer. Did not make Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer. It may have added some longevity to their careers, but these guys were well on their way. It sounds like sour grapes. Exactly. Don't, wouldn't you like to know though? It, Roger Clemens has had a couple of these situations with teammates, of course, either with Andy Pettit, there, um, then there was that little thing between them as Andy Pettit admitted what had happened and misremembered, misre, yeah, being accused <laughs> of misremembering. And now Roy Halliday and Clemens were teammates in Toronto. You just wonder how Roger Clemens' interaction with other people. I think we know Roger Clemens is a big jerk. You know, it's, he's not a big lovable teddy bear or anything. I think he, he rubs people the wrong way like Bonds did, like Jeff Kent did, like a lot of people have. And, and I still maintain that is probably the bigger reason those guys are not in the hall. Or if, if they stay out of the hall, that'll be what? Because and, they rub people the wrong way. And that would be a shame. You should be in there because of what you did between the lines, not because of how you spoke to the media. As long as we're talking about the Hall of Fame, congratulations to Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Piazza, probably both listening to this program right now. Congratulations to them getting into the Hall of Fame. Two guys that I, I had the great pleasure of watching their entire career, as I'm old enough now to have seen it from beginning to end. Yeah, I had their video games as a kid. They were great to watch. Congratulations, Mike Piazza, Ken Griffey Jr. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can give them a call, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. We look forward to doing this again next week, but before then, hope to see you on church on Sunday. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This has been Beyond the Game.